0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Into the Light podcast. Bray just threw in that intro for us this time. We might, we might just we might just keep it in the recording. <laughs> We're super excited for the story that we get to tell you guys today for this episode.
1: Yes, we are super excited. We found Brielle with us, Brielle Palmer. We found Brielle because Brielle's my coworker. <laughs>
0: But
1: yeah, <laughs> i guess that everyone we interview on this episode or on our podcast is somebody we know so
0: that's what happens when you're as open as bray is she just asks the right <laughs> questions gets these connections and yes, boom right and we've only
1: known brielle for I, i've only known brielle for two weeks and i know her deepest darkest difficulties in life so absolutely i, I love I've,
0: it i've just been reveling in the relationship y'all have after two weeks of knowing Isn't each other <laughs> You guys, you guys seem like sisters or something.
1: Yes. I mean, everyone everyone told me before you came back. They're like, you're gonna love Brielle. Yeah. Tammy's like, you're gonna love her. She's oh, just like you. I love that. <laughs> but Guess what? I love him. Look at the yeah. Oh, I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> Anyways, so Brielle is from St. Louis, Missouri. She is here in Utah, going to school at UVU, studying elementary
2: Spanish education. elementary
1: education. Elementary education with Spanish?
3: Yeah, something like that.
2: Does Spanish have
3: anything to do with it? I was Spanish ed. Okay, and then thanks. I switched.
1: thanks. I knew I was a crazy. <laughs> You're not. Dead. But Brielle, which is what our story is about today, served her mission in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And so we're so excited to have you.
3: Thanks for coming. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I have been so looking forward to this. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm thrilled.
1: Yes, we are so excited to have you. And
3: this might be...
0: It might be our 50th. I'm not sure. It's somewhere around 50.
1: Might be our 50th episode. Aaron, you can cut that out. (laughs) So thanks for staying with us for 50 episodes. If you just started with our last 48, 47 episodes, we love you. Stay tuned for this awesome story.
0: Let's go. (laughs) All right. We usually start all of our conversations with people with kind of how you grew up and how the gospel was in your home, not in your home. Your parents were active, that kind of thing
3: yeah okay that's a great place to start i came I come from a a very strong family they they are very active they they honor their covenants they they do the things that they know they should do to become more like the savior and i I have to give my dad some credit. He came from a home that was not that way, a pretty broken home he was the oldest only son for the while, for a while, and he actually became more active in the church. He got baptized when he was eight, but his, him and his mom moved from Oregon to Nevada and um, stopped going to church. Mm. And I just remember my mom sharing that, my, that her dad was the like worked with the high school baseball team and my dad played baseball. And it just so happened that my grandpa, my mom's dad was also a member of the state presidency and oh. saw these records come in and said, wait, we need to help these, these people get him back. And so my grandpa played a very big role in my dad's activity today. I give, I think he as well gives every credit to, to my grandpa that it's because of his persistence and his love that got him to, to be an active member and then turn around and like pretty short time after getting active again, submitted mission papers, which was like, oh, wow, absolutely bonkers. But yeah, so that's kind of more of my parents story but they they are they love the lord and i just admire that and just were very wanted us to to know how important the gospel was in our lives and made sure to show and point out those blessings and those miracles we would see every day kind of pre you were you like pretty
1: or were you just kind of like were you pretty spiritual when you were growing up or how was that journey for you
3: i felt like it was i don't want to say i was ignorant but it just was like why wouldn't i like this all. All of these things that that come, my parents have helped me realize. Like this is the Lord's hand in our life. This blessing came from this, and mm. seeing that connection, I just automatically knew that like this is the answer. I don't want my life to be so much harder because I don't have this. Interesting. In fact, my patriarchal blessing just talks briefly about like the gift of faith that I have. So I just, I don't know. I've, I've just called. Really I've never, I've never had a reason to doubt. I've had my trials for sure, and I'll talk about that too. But never enough reason to say church is not for me. Yeah. Did, did you, you grew up in Missouri, right? Yeah, well, so I I was actually born in Orem. My dad was at BYU. My mom was actually working at the Eye Center we're at right now. She was an optician with Lisa and it was so awesome. So, so like <laughs> Dr. Awesome. Frank Edmonds held me as a baby, like so fun. Anyway, so they were working and I was born here in Orem. And then my dad did his double master at MIT. So we moved to Boston and internships, things like that. We moved around for a bit. We lived in, then my dad got his first job in Alabama mm. and that's where we were there. We were there for a couple of years and then we moved to Missouri in 2009 and we've been there since. So, so you were like 10. Yeah, I was nine or 10. And, and so most of my childhood memories are from Alabama or Missouri, but I call Missouri home. Got so, it, yeah.
0: Was, was your testimony growing up, was it based on kind of the logic of the gospel or do you feel like you had spiritual experiences that helped develop what your testimony was or became?
3: I think especially pre mission, it was just very logical. Mm-hmm. Like I understand the doctrine of Christ. Like very simple. Faith, mm-hmm. you know, repentance, baptism, confirmation, gift of the Holy Ghost, endure to the end. Like all simple. Makes sense, it, right? it all makes sense. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's just very straightforward, A, B, C, D. Like, why would I doubt that? Mm-hmm. That there is a perfect plan that is set in place. Like duh was kind of my attitude. Interesting.
1: So, you get to elementary school, you're in Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, and then high school, how was how was your spiritual journey in high school?
3: I felt like there were a couple more spiritual experiences. I got my patriarchal blessing my junior year of high school, started seriously, like, honing in on mission prep classes, things like that. So, you wanted to serve a mission? Yeah. it Like, from a young age, I was like, I am going. Yeah. Like, I heard of a a young woman in my ward and she's like, yeah, I want to go on a mission. And then she went to college and got married. And I was like, I don't want that. I want to go. I have to go. So <laughs> I just made it an absolute effort. I was like, Lord, I am go- I want to serve. And, and I mean, in the scriptures, he promises those that have the desire to serve will serve. And so mm-hmm. I was like, yep, me. Check. Yeah. Nailed it.
0: That's awesome.
3: And of course, a blessing mentioned a mission. And I was like, could be a senior mission. Maybe this one. But I'm counting it as this one.
0: Yeah. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. So
3: did I, you
1: like. Was it ever expected from you to serve a mission or that's like just what you wanted to do?
3: Like did your parents?
1: That's a good question.
3: I think I, I never felt the put, like, I don't think I gave them room to push a mission because I was so gung-ho about it. (laughs) I think if anything, my mom was like, oh, but like, you know, it's optional, you know, like being the first (laughs) daughter, I'm the oldest of four. I think my mom was like, I mean, I love that you want to serve, but like. It's really okay if you just want to, like, go to school or, like, stay. I don't know. She she just loved having me around, and I love being with my mom. Absolutely love her to death. But <laughs> I was like, I need to go on a mission. Like, blessings will come when I serve. So, so, yeah. No no major push, which was, I think, a big factor in my decision to serve as well. Okay.
1: Awesome.
0: That's, that's awesome. Well, should we dive into?
3: Yeah.
1: I was going to ask how, like, graduating high school and then into like the whole mission papers thing how is that process Because oh, i don't at least for me and i heard this from a lot of people sit and tries to like crazy
3: and and maybe that's not everybody but no that's i think that's definitely valid i had a lot i was friends like i had a lot of my closest guy friends go on missions right as i was graduating high school okay. so i was like I want to go, I want to go, like, they're going, I can't wait, like, I would get their emails, and I'm like, yes, this is so good, like, this work is moving forward. I just, I was a nerd, like, I was a gospel nerd, straight, straight up, just. As anybody is, listening
1: just, to
2: our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> true. true, I'm talking yeah. to the
3: right
1: audience here,
2: <laughs>
3: but, yeah, I, I just remember, like, I think kind of along with, like, my, my parents' input on my mission, I really didn't give Satan the time. I was like, I'm sure he tried, but I was so like, honed in on, like, letting nothing stop me. I'm sure I was tempted, for That's sure. That. And, like, oh, you know, actually finishing school may be a good idea. Like, oh, your husband may be at school, but you wouldn't <laughs> know because you're on a mission. I'm like, he'll be here when I get back. That's fine. <laughs> I I I think my mentality was I'm not going to give him the time. But awesome. starting the, like, mission paper process and, like, the doctor's appointments and, and the interviews and stuff, there were hiccups with that where there were a lot of, like, shots that I had to get, and I get really uneasy with needles and so that was i think a trial of my faith but (laughs) just like those things and and planning and then even when i got my mission call there were hiccups where i had to get i had to push my report tape back and things like that and i got my mission paper a lot sooner than i anticipated so i had to wait a while to open in but a bunch of other things that satan really tried to get at but i was like i'm not gonna give you the time Sorry, just
0: laser focused. It was cool. it
3: was frightening. Like if you ask my family, like like yeah, really, you could finish at BYU Idaho and graduate. And I'm like, no, no, school will be there when I get back. <laughs> so I w- I had planned it out too. I was like, okay, four months to the day that I turned 19, boom, paper submitted. Like I was on it. I was like, I I put my availability date as my 19th birthday. I was like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I gotta go. Oh wow. So. That's that is of- that
0: is a gift of faith. <laughs> I I put I was supposed
3: to, I could
1: have left in December. I put mine for January third.
3: Had a girl.
0: Dude, I'm I could have leaving. left in May, and I put mine for August. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: that's shit. So, so, yeah. How was it when you got the call that you were going to go to Argentina? Oh, I cried.
3: I I lost it because I was like, "Were you scared? What was oh, your emotion? Petrified. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I." Submitted my papers, and I remember going through this part with my mom. I submitted my papers, and I said, it asked if you have any language experience. And I was like, high school. Like, that was the option. Yeah. And it says, would you want to serve, a, like, language speaking? And I was like, English, no. No <laughs> way. Like, I'm not. No way. I, I was like, almost as gung-ho as I was about serving a mission, I was almost that gung-ho about serving English speaking.
0: You can like, just see, I like, a general authority looking through your papers like, she did. doesn't want to speak Spanish, but. We got a surprise. I'm for her. sure. I,
3: I guarantee you, it was David A. Bednar, and he said, "Bet." Like, he, was, he was like, "No, we're not even putting up with that." So, no. I just remember reading it. So, I actually did a, a church history study tour through BYU. I put my papers in the first week of or the last week of March. That was like four months till July. I was like, "That is the day, March 27th." They were in. Mm-hmm. They put them in. And they said at this point, they were doing them online and they said four to six weeks that you'll get your call. And I was like, sweet, I'm straight vibing. When I get my call, I'll be on a church history study tour. And I had talked with the professors and they said I could open my call in the Nauvoo 70s hall, which is considered the first MTC. And my parents were going to drive up to watch me me (laughs) open it, right? And I was like, I'm not going to open it without my family. So I was like extremely motivated to not open it for the first four weeks of this trip. Well, I got it the day before we left and I was like, Oh, what are you? so i was like i would it was like in two and a half weeks so i i panicked i was curling my hair with my mom in the other room and i just distinctly remember mom i got the text i can't open it. you have to like just freaking <laughs> out because i'm like what do i do luckily my dad was my bishop so he could like go in and accept the call for me and all that stuff but i was just like oh my gosh <laughs> freaking out so opening it i was i I had it, and it's like, all right, dear Sister Palmer. And this is the old one, too. So it's like, you're hereby called to serve as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You're assigned to labor. Sobbing. Absolute <laughs> sobbing. So I was like, I don't know how to pronounce this, and it's not even a state. What do I do? Like, freaking out. And I was like, Argentinos, Buenos Aires, our West Mission. Like, freaking out. And everyone's like, stop. And I was like, no.
2: <laughs>
3: anyway, so I was like, well this is odd because i just felt so strongly not even that i wanted to serve but like oh i'm going to serve in the states like it just mm-hmm. felt right anyway and then they're like argentina and i was like all right well if the lord says so that's fine okay i'll make it i'll be fine it's awesome.
0: that faith yeah. is awesome i love <laughs> it not that ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's you you get ready You go on your little, aren't you a church history, like, nut, too? Oh, absolutely. Growing up in St. Louis, I feel like you have to be.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's what I thought. And then I went to Navajo, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I
2: love this place. Like I,
3: for for a little bit there, I was like, I'm going to transfer to BYU, study church history, and then be like a Nauvoo 1840s period specialist. Like I was 1840? like, 1840s, yes, like, the, random. the pinnacle of Nauvoo. Like that was what I wanted hey, to those study.
0: Scholars that know their stuff on that it's period insane. of time is it's so interesting.
3: It's just... Oh my goodness, saints eat it up. Yeah, for real. You should see how many Nauvoo books I have. It's it's <laughs> it's honestly embarrassing to admit on a podcast, so I won't. But. <laughs> It's more than Nine I should 20. have. To. <laughs> I uh, no comment.
2: <laughs>
3: no comment. I love it.
0: Good boy, dang. So how was how was the mission experience like getting into the field? I was
3: I was super blessed. I had a super great MTC companion. She was incredible. Seriously, my saving grace. And you went to the MTC in Argentina. I went to the MTC in Mexico. The Argentina one had already closed, actually. So, yeah. Mexico and D.C. was definitely a trial of my faith in its own because everyone else in my district seemed at one level or another very comfortable with Spanish. And I was like, I know, como se llama. Like, that's that's the extent of my Spanish. And my companion was actually from Chihuahua, Mexico. So I was like, oh, my goodness. But she was so, oh, she was so kind. She just was so patient with me and encouraging, would leave me sticky notes. Like, just. Absolutely saint. Like, Aww. she she taught me from the get-go how to be a good companion. Aww. And I'm, like, eternally grateful for to her for that. But awesome. We get to the field. We were going to the same mission, too. So that was super nice to be able to see a familiar face
2: mm-hmm.
3: in the mission. So we get there. We travel, you know, Mexico and Argentina a nightmare. It's, like, 12 to 14 hours of just sitting on a plane. It was brutal. <laughs> get to Argentina at, like, 2 in the morning. Get to the mission office. And I am freaking out because I'm like, I'm going to get a Latina trainer. I'm going to get a Latino change. Just freaking out. And I was like, no, like the Lord is in the details. He knows what I can handle. And if I can't handle, he can. And that's the beauty of it. So I get a companion from Riverton, Utah. And I was like, oh, oh man, yeah, he knows me. He knows my limits. So he, anyway, so my mission president says, oh, you're with Hermona Melton. And I was like, awesome. So I was with her for two weeks. And she, again, so patient and just encouraging me to try and, and do my best. And I... Was alive and thriving. Life's good. <laughs> and that just really kickstarted my experience as a missionary in Argentina. Just um, the members love you and they want to help you and they know that you're learning another language and that it's hard. And yeah. they, were just, they were so kind and just so patient. So
0: I've I had just, multiple friends serve in Argentina and they loved it. I just absolutely it's
3: absolutely loved it's it. It's really. Food mm. is. <laughs> don't even miss that. like That's crazy, like its own like... category. You can make a whole podcast just about Argentine food. Like Maybe the, I'll do the that. The
0: Italian influence of Argentine food, like that's so it's cool. So
1: far,
3: I served in Orem, but <laughs> so many, so many
1: Argentinians here, oh, and yeah. they like wanted to give us the Argentinian experience. Yeah, so I got it multiple times. Yeah. Uh,
3: did you have like a sado? Did I? That was
1: like every Argentinian house I went good. to. Good
3: or or milanesa, empana, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm oh. just gonna go pass away. That was so good. Sunday afternoon,
2: someone's brown. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Oh, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, just like I really loved it. It took me a minute to feel comfortable with the language, which I think is the case with any missionary yeah. trying to learn a language. But once I did, I felt like I was on the top of the world. I was mm. like, I I have the Savior. I have my efforts, and honestly, that's all He asks of me. And so we're fine. That's awesome. Yeah. So then,
1: when did the incident happen? How soon into your mission?
3: Okay, so I was about a month out, of training. out and I, of training and i was training another missionary another sister missionary are you talking
0: mom. like six weeks or 12 weeks
3: it was 12 week training so okay. i was i was you're, in you're like yeah. three transfers in yeah this is this is my third transfer cool so so a little backstory on my transfers so i was with her, my first trainer for two weeks she got emergency transferred to a different area i got a uruguayan Difficult Spanish moment of silence for that experience <laughs> with her for about a month to the rest of the transfer. Then I get with another companion. I get a trainer. Well, it was a week after transfer, so I was with her for let me count five weeks. That was that was a, a good time. I get with an American named Ramona Christensen for the rest of that transfer, so about five weeks as well. And then at the transfer, my first week out of training, they say you're gonna go be with two Mexican hermanas in this other city and they were like the sister training leaders and i was like awesome (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing still (laughs) anyway so i was with them for a week and so a week into the transfer i get a they call and they're like hey where's hermana palmer and and they put me on the phone like hey hermana do you want to train and i was like (laughs) sorry what (laughs) like luckily one the one who was telling me this is american so he's speaking in english and he's i said (laughs) good one That's hilarious. It's like, no, no, seriously, like, pack your things. You're training in, in, like, in city center. See you in six hours. And I was like, oh. (laughs) So I'm a week out of my training. I don't know Spanish still. And I'm training (laughs) another American. And we're whitewashing an area. So we're, like, they're wiping it. They're not getting, it was elders, so they're putting Hermanas in this area. And wasn't this the first time that Hermanas was in this
1: area? Yeah. And they put a trainee
3: yeah, they so like years and years this, it was in this city called Merlo and it's typically a more lovingly put a little more on the dangerous side a little ghetto know. a little ghetto. I mean the place that we were at wasn't super ghetto but
2: mm-hmm. you know.
3: But they were like oh, we think it's safe enough for Ermona. It's like we we think we need hermana influence here again and I was like sweet. So We go, we get the the area book because it was like the binders and we get in, we're looking through and we're like, oh, look at all this work we're going to do. This is great. We're so excited. So we get to the area, we start just hit the ground running. And it was probably the best first four weeks of the transfer I'd ever had in my mission. Like I had never, looking back at my mission in, in total, I had never worked harder and worn out my shoes as much or given my all to any part of my mission except for those three weeks. Like, that I can confidently say, like, I gave every effort to the mm-hmm. that. And it's just, like, oh, it so fun. It was so good. But, yeah. So, how was your treaty? Was she? Oh, love her to pieces. Shout out to Ramona Williams. She's a crackhead. I love her <laughs> to pieces. She's from Indiana. Her dad is actually now the president of Utah Tech. Oh, so, oh, they live cool. in St. George, but her husband is studying at BYU, Idaho. So, they're in Rexburg area. Oh, oh she- close she- with her. Oh, I could tell this girl anything like Mm -hmm. she like we were on the same page like communication was key like it just like we clicked and we worked like we were there for the same purpose we were united one in purpose we were going and it was it just made it so fun but man she's she's got character I will give you that (laughs) she she makes she makes light of very heavy situations sometimes (laughs) and just like gets a door slammed in our face she's like it don't matter, salvation will come for you, and, like, walk away. Like, just, <laughs> just funny things like that. She, like, never took anything personally, and I admire That's that about hard. her. That's hard. It, yeah, it, it is. Real. I have no idea how she acquired that gift, but I'm like, can you share some of that? <laughs> it's She's incredible. So she just knows how to make light of very hard situations Dang. and to to be looking on the bright side of things in a very fun, fun way. That's awesome. So one morning, you woke up to do your exercises, Oh yeah. So <laughs> this I I distinctly remember the day. So it is February twenty fourth. That's our P Day, Monday. And my companion is runs track for SU at this point. So she's gonna go wow. back, finish there. Runs track for SUU. So she's like, I gotta keep up my training. If I don't, like, I'm not going back to a scholarship or anything. And I was like, okay. She's like, so we're running six miles on P Day. And I was like, sick. You're lucky I'm a runner. <laughs> so we run and I actually tripped and fell. And in Argentina, a lot of the sidewalk is like. Pebbles and shards of glass and like really nasty things. So I tripped and like absolutely ate it and have this huge gash on my knee. So it hurt pretty bad. So go home, clean it up. End of our P day, we stay in because it's Mardi Gras. Nope, not Mardi Gras. What is it called? Carnival. My goodness, Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah. Mardi Gras is it, yeah. very American. Anyway, <laughs> Carnival. And so even though it's like super Brazilian, it seeps down into Uruguay and, and Argentina. So our mission president was like, end a P day stay in, do your weekly planning. So we're planning. We're getting ready for the week. Next Monday, or next Tuesday, that following day, February 25th, we get up, and we go on our run, and it's a little shorter, but my mission, our mission nurse, who's the mission president's wife, said, hey, I don't want you running until we figure out what's going on with your knee, because it just hurt. It hurt bad. So he's like, so she said, just walk, but try and limit the amount of proselyting you're like tracking you're doing and find other ways to fulfill your purpose and I was like okay that's fair but I wasn't gonna like be the reason my companion can't go on a run so I walked and she would run back and forth on this street so that was our plan we go out and you know leave the door lock the gate and we start we start heading to this place where we normally run and we go to this park and we stretch and then we come back So we're, well, I'm walking, she's running back and forth, and you know we're just doing our thing. And around the corner, we live on this block. At the end of the block, these these motorcyclists come around the corner, and they have like these nice bikes. And there's probably like three to four guys on each of these bikes. And there's two of them, two bikes, so probably in total like six to eight guys on these two bikes. So I have no idea how they fit that many people on there, but
0: the same in the Philippines. I was going to say get it.
3: I don't know how you do it, but you do it, and it it clearly is functional. They're
0: close. They're they're close.
3: Yeah. They're, like, probably cousins or something. (laughs) Anyway, they they come down the street, and it's 6.40 in the morning, and we are in South America, so no one should be awake at this point, right? So I'm like, what are these muchachos doing? Like, who do (laughs) they think they are? And they pull into this driveway, and my companion's probably, like, a yard from them. And she told me after that her thought was, oh, they live there, that this is their driveway, so I'll just go around them. Anyway, they cut her off, and the guy, she go, starts going around him, and the guy on the last bike pulls out a silver pistol and, like, start, has it pointed at her probably, like, a foot from her face. And I see this, and I don't think my brain registered it because I was like, what's he doing?
2: <laughs> what
3: the junk? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Like, oblivious, like, absolutely just clueless. So she starts screaming, serpentining in the street, and, like, hands her up, and she's like, like, just ballistic running back towards me. And I think in the, flight or, the fight or flight mode, I freeze 100%. And I just was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I thought it was a bad nightmare for a minute. Anyway, so I'm just sitting there, and the bikes start following my companion down the street. Then two more bikes with two to three guys on each of those bike, bikes come around the corner, and they come towards me. So I'm like, forget the mission nerds advice. I'm running back to the apartment. So I start booking it back, and we're standing in front of our gate. If you haven't seen like South American housing, they have the house and then they have a giant tall gate in front of all the houses and we can't get in until I unlock it. And so I'm just standing there and my hands are shaking and I pull out our little Nokia brick phone, our house keys, and we're just standing there. Mind you, we're both very new missionaries who don't speak Spanish. So all I could say on repeat and the only thing I remember saying was no tango nada. Like I don't have anything. And they had, at this point, surrounded us in front of this gate. Like, they had just made a semicircle and, like, are just all of them guns ablazing. Like, no one's fired shots, but they all just have their, their double pistols out. And I, like, weirdest feeling of my life, it was probably only a, maybe 30, 45 seconds in total, but it felt like an eternity. Like, I thought, first of all, like, I'm about to meet my maker. Like, my first thought was, like, this is, this is, oh, it just was insane. And I'm just looking at my companion and she's still screaming. And here's where the miracle is, is that the members who we live behind, they were awake. And so the the member, the the dad of the family, he comes out and he, you know, we'll take him as he is. He's in his ball shorts and his garment top and just living his best life. And he struts on out and he's like talking with the guys and. Mind you, I think I've gone into shock at this point, so I don't remember anything that's been said, and I'm not going to bother translating in my brain. So they just say stuff back and forth, and the only thing I remember translating is that the, me- the member said, they're just missionaries, they don't have any money. And I was like, I mean, it's true, all my pesos are in the house. Like yeah. I was like, we j- I will give you my phone, I, will, I, like, I don't have anything. Anyway, so they said stuff back and forth, and then the all the bikers just put their guns away and they leave. And they just whip oh, around the corner and go down oh. the street. And I forgot to breathe. I was just <laughs> like, there's no way that just happened. Anyway, the wife comes out. And she starts yelling at her husband. He's like, what are oh, they doing? Get up <laughs> at the other side of the house. Anyway, she swings up in the garage gate. And she's like, everyone is behind my house right now. <laughs> just went like, Hispanic totally. mama on us. Like, She just yeah. she just went crazy. Like, she was so, oh, she, it was as if we were her own daughters. And she just, she's like. Okay, are you okay? What happened? What should we do for you? And I look at my companion who's been in the mission at this point a month, green, shaking, like freaking out. And I was like, I think we're fine. I don't really know. Just, oh, bad. And the member's like, well, I'm sorry. I've, like, never had that happen to any of the missionaries who have lived in our back apartment in all the years that we've housed missionaries. And I'm like, (laughs) of course not. So I, we went in the house and we just, we just sat and cried for a minute. And we were like, did that really just happen? Like the Lord saved our souls. Like, I think we both obviously knew the power of the plan of salvation, but I think it became such a reality in that moment of that was life or death. Like that was it. And I think walking away from that, I was like, where is my standing with God? If if someone pulled a gun to my face, like, am I ready to meet him? Like, where am I at with that? I think that was a big focus for me, but we called our zone leaders and they're like, there's no way that happened. Like you're pranking us. And I'm like, no, no, dead serious. Not funny to joke about. And they're like, you're right. It's not. So they called mission president. We went to the mission home for a week. It was own conference week. So we were going to go the next day anyway, but he just had to stay with him for the week. And we talked with him during a lunch break and just recounted the story to him. And he's like, "Hermanas." if you feel like you are not in a place mentally to continue to serve, you are both honorably released. And I think that's also when it clicked for me. Like, this is like, this is a serious thing. This isn't something I can brush off and say, oh, like, no big deal. No, like I had like the the, my life was in the hands of of basically a gang at that point. I just remember contemplating that the entire week. It was just I was going to say, how was that? that it decision was, in your mind. Well, I think my previous decisions made that very simple for me <laughs> of I'm laser focused on serving a mission and that is what I'm going to do and not even I honestly feel like Satan was was the key factor in that like he put those people in my path and I sorry, that's not going to make me go home. I I could have and I would have been honorably released and I think I could have lived with that. But I promised the Lord that I would serve. And until I was physically harmed or physically put in a place where I cannot function, I wasn't going to back out on that promise.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love it. Sorry, y'all.
3: Just laid all of that. Cool. Okay,
1: I got something. Did you... First of all, how did that... Because I remember talking with you before, you said the week in the mission president's house, you just like we're going through so many things in your mind. Oh. And at
3: this point, did you tell your parents yet? So after this talk with my mission president, I asked him, I was like, president, I genuinely don't know if I should tell specifically my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like my dad could have handled it. I was worried about my mom. Yeah. And I was like, should I tell my parents? He goes, oh, absolutely. You're going to go take 20 minutes and you're calling them right now. Yeah. And I was like, the president, it's a Wednesday. Yeah. And he's like, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, bummer. (laughs) Anyway, so I just remember telling my dad first. My dad was boarding a plane for a business trip and my mom was in her bedroom, I think folding laundry or something. And I remember calling my mom first. Already have tears streaming down my face. Mind you, I haven't slept since this incident happened. I didn't sleep at all Tuesday night, Wednesday in the mission home. Like I did not sleep for a week. I maybe got in total five hours of sleep that week. It was brutal. And cried probably more than I have in my life. Like, insane dysfunction happening. But I remember getting on the call. I'm already crying. My mom's like, Brielle, it's Wednesday. What's wrong? Like, she knew that I wasn't just willy-nilly calling her on a Wednesday. Like, she's like, what is wrong? And I said, what are the, I said behind tears, like, what are the odds that dad can get on this call too? And he's like, "She's he's boarding a plane, but I'll see what I can do. He pops on pretty quick. And I was just like, dad. I'm going to try my best in Spanish to tell you and you tell me if I could tell mom. Anyway, so I I do my best and he's like, "No, just tell mom." And so I explained the story and my mom's crying and my I I can't remember what my dad was doing. I just remember that at the end of me telling the story, he tried to play it like lightheartedly and was like, "Nice sis." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "I appreciate you lighting the mood, but like I I actually can't breathe." And he he later told me when I got home and finished my mission that he it took him every ounce of self restraint to not get a canoe or something and boat down to Argentina and <laughs> fight someone. And I was like, "That's a dad who cares for his daughter." It was different. it was a, it was a very tender moment for us. But my mom was just in sobbing tears. She was like, "Oh my goodness! Like I'm so sorry that happened to you." And it wasn't tears of, "I'm scared for you." I think it definitely was a little bit, but that wasn't the focus. She very much instantly turned to the Lord and said, "Brielle, the Lord protected you." Like. That's another, just how she, as she had time and time again throughout my childhood of, Brielle, this is the Lord's hand in this. Like, not that this happened, but that he protected you. And how did you react to that? I think it was consoling for me. I think I needed to hear that because I was so worried and caught up in like, my life could have ended. And she very quickly turned that to, yes, but Brielle, the Lord is mindful of you. He sent his angels to you, which that's a cool experience that I can share. and turn to and say you did die and you were killed real a mission is probably the best place <laughs> to be like you are fulfilling the lord's call to gather scattered israel like you are you are standing right before the lord like that and you you believe in the plan of salvation right and i was like well yeah and she's like okay then like she was definitely worried and, and scared for my safety but she very quickly and i think for herself as well turned to the blessing of yeah the lord is aware of his missionaries like he's aware of all of his children, but he is aware of his servants, which was just really, I think, it's partially like, mom, no, like pity me for a second, but also like, no, you're right, it's not about me, and this is, this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. So,
0: how how did that experience affect you spiritually over that next uh, week?
3: like my the talk with my mom or just this
0: whole like the whole experience?
3: I walked away from that, firmly believing in the power of ministering angels. When we were standing at gunpoint, I the only thing, and I think the image that comes like recurring to my mind is that there were like these light pillars in between all of the motorcycles, like clear as day. And there's only been a handful of other times in which I've seen those same pillars, but I know without a doubt in my mind that those were the Lord's angels, like He was sending those people to me and to my companion to protect us. And so I instantly turned to the scripture in Doctrine and Covenants where it says. I'll be with you. I'll be on your right hand and on your left and my angels round about you. And I'm like, that. that is real. That is real. Mm-hmm. And I think shifting my perspective of, oh, I'm invincible. I'm a missionary to the Lord has his angels walking with me. I'm a missionary. Mm-hmm. And just changing my perspective of the work a little bit as well. Definitely strengthened my testimony of his undying love for for his children. Is there
1: any doubt in your head? Like, God, I'm- your missionary. I'm literally being obedient and working out. I I don't I, I don't know. I don't know if this went through your head at all. Oh about, absolutely. Like why am I put in this situation if I am you say you protect your missionaries. You know what I mean? Like, oh
3: absolutely. So I I oh and and this is something that eats at me. I I felt the prompting to say, hey, let's work in work out inside today. Like let's not go out on a run today. But of course, I brushed that aside like, oh, I'm just tired, like I'm living a missionary schedule, I like, I feel exhausted all the time, like that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely let that eat at me, like, Brielle, if you would have listened, this wouldn't have happened. And I I, and I think this is something else I, I began to understand, and this has been a lifelong journey for me, but understanding that God will never step in the way of our agency. He never will. Absolutely not. And so that was my choice, to, to listen to a small prompting. But he knew what was going to happen either way. It was up to me to decide what was going to happen. And so, of course, I was like, Father, why did you let that happen to me? I am already struggling with the language. I'm struggling with training. I'm struggling to, to feel like the work that I'm doing matters. And now you give me this? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was really frustrated. But I think, again, it, it goes back to my mom. And I think it's also fitting that this podcast is happening on Mother's Day. Like it was, it was the words of my mother that that were called to my mind. Like just like the sons of he- like the sons of Helaman, like they remembered the words of their mother. And I just thought, Brielle, like don't be silly. Of course this is hard. But th- did you think a mission was a walk in the park? Like this, <laughs> this is something that I'm giving you, and you chose, and you're learning from it. Now I understand the reality of like post traumatic stress. I understand the reality of people wanting to go home for experiences like that. I understand the reality of perseverance. I, The Lord allowed this hard experience to open my mind and simply because I allowed him to. He didn't make me. So,
0: Well, it kind of goes back like the root question that I think Bray was asking is why do bad things happen to good people, right? Yeah. When you're doing everything you feel like you can to serve the Lord, like why do bad things still happen? And it really is. Yeah. It all comes down to agency. Do you feel That's like if you could go back, would you change that experience to not having ever happened to you?
3: That's a really tough question because of course my natural response is, oh, absolutely. I would never wish that upon myself yeah. or my companion. Like,
2: yeah.
3: And I think I took it a little harder than my companion. She had, I don't know, growing up, I didn't watch a lot of cop shows. I didn't see a lot of guns. I I don't know. She grew up hunting and like watching cop shows with her family and, and this was just a new realm for me. And so, naturally, I would say so. Yeah, like, absolutely, the experience of guns was very
2: good for you. Yeah.
3: Okay. Oh, absolutely. And and I know it's not that I don't think people don't have them, but I just I had never handled one before my mission, and so seeing one, and I was like, I'm not supposed to be on this side of the weapon. Yeah. That's the one rule I okay. do know. I I really struggle with that. So yeah, Dude... <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought. No, so there. would you?
0: Would you? I guess back to the original question. If yeah. If you could go back, would you change it or would you keep it?
3: Oh yeah. So it, my gut instinct, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. But the more I realize the blessings that have come from it and the testimony that I've gained from it, immediately no, like mm-hmm. I would not, because I think the the reason that the Lord allowed me to to stay on this earth is to share it and to yeah. to to understand and to relate with people who have similar experiences. People have some scary stuff happen on their missions and they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about it because, oh, it was a mission. Like I was on the Lord's errand.
2: Mm-hmm. But
3: missionaries are a target. Yeah. Like they see them and they're like, oh, how can I bring down the church? Get the missionaries. And and just realizing that scary stuff does happen to people and you can talk about it. You
0: know? that's, that's, that's what we're all about here. <laughs> that's
3: how you, you work through it is you talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the lives you can bless, and the more people, like the more people you can touch, whether you know the end result or not. Yeah. And just being an instrument in the Lord's hands that way. For the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely.
1: So, you mentioned about you having a lot of PTSD and trauma, et cetera, with that. Can you get into a little bit more of that?
3: Yeah. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this theme, but I am very prideful on the fact of like, I make a decision and it goes this way. Mm. Like, I'm going to serve a mission, my papers go in ASAP. I serve in Argentina, okay, I'm going to serve for the duration of 18 months in Argentina. No, no, COVID, by the way.
2: <laughs> so oh,
3: I ruined. just very much was like, I, I set something in my mind and I'm like, all right, this is a righteous desire but God needs to shift that a little bit. And so when it came to realizing that I had a little bit of PTSD, I was like, no, I don't. It was just some guns. Like I'm, I'm, psh, I'm fine. Right. So I think that became a harsh reality for me of the, the severity of this. When I came home from my mission due to COVID and my stake president reached out to me, and said, Hey, I want you to meet with the family services therapist. And I was like, But president, I'm like, I'm totally fine. Like, I'm a functioning human being. I'm happy. I'm healthy. All is well. And he's like, okay, just meet with him once and then you can decide. And he's like, all right, for you, president, I'll do it. So I go and it ends up being someone that I know, like someone in my stake that I know fairly well. And so I think that was also an issue for me was telling someone that I know fairly well and who knows me fairly well to really open up about the severity of what I was feeling. And so I told him, he's like. So how are you feeling? Can you, can you express your experience with me? And I was like, no, I'm really good. It was just, you know, some guns. And he's like, I'm, I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of pushback. Like, are you really okay? And I'm like, I'm, just, I'm alive and functioning. Like, I think I'm okay. And he's like, all right, well, then. I think he took it as, like, you're a closed book and don't want to talk about it with me, so I'm just going to end this here. And I feel bad for sure. But I was like, <laughs> I, I can't talk I don't know. I was like, if I want to talk about this, I want to talk to a complete stranger who knows nothing about me. Yeah. So I just, and I'm sure I could have said something about it, but I just left it and he's like, all right, just let me know if you want to have another chat. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I said, check, president. I did it. We're done. I get my reassignment and I go to Kentucky and I'm like, life's good. I'm in the States. I'm safe. And I remember being in my first area. I'd been there about three or four weeks and... We're biking along this road and I just see a bunch of motorcycles from by, and all of them have like the black leather jackets just like the the muchachos did. And I was like, I, I stopped my bike in the middle of the sidewalk and I just dismounted it. And I was like, I can't. And I was freaking out. And so I started breathing funny and I was like, I'm not safe. And I broke down and my companion's like, what is going on? Because at this point I was like, I don't want to burden anyone with my experience. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. That's not something they need to deal with. And so I told her, I was like, okay, well, I did have this thing ca- like happened to me. And she's like, we're calling the mission nurse right now. So I call her and she's like, okay, I'm scheduling you an appointment with the mission therapist. And I was like, okay. He changed my mindset, like 180 flip. And I think that was the biggest thing was, was some of the things and that he said and that he taught me to do. And the tricks and tips that he gave me. And of course, he didn't fix it immediately. but helping me be more functional. So it's when I don't hear a motorcycle, I don't have to go in a corner and cry. So
2: yeah.
0: what were, what were some of the coping skills that he like, how do he, how do you he help you get through that?
3: The first thing I remember him saying is it's not to diminish the experience, but he's like, you give power to what you focus on. Mm. And I was like, that's a very good point. I'm focusing on how this is a very traumatic experience and I can't recover from this and that it's not that big of a deal. And I'm leaving this unturned. And he's like, hermana if you choose to this can be water under the bridge and i was like shoot
0: that's empowering right? it, it
3: is and yeah. he just he goes on about like this growth mindset which i had heard and i had a lot of high school coaches tell me about growth versus mixed fixed mindset and yeah. things like that and i just distinctly remember him saying like hermana if you choose this can be water under the bridge this can be a a, a stepping stone in your testimony and it can be a tool and experience you use with those that you teach. It's simply how you view it. And I was like, okay. He's like, but now more to like the actual chemical imbalances in your brain, let's address those.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And he's like, are you exercising for that 30 minutes every day? Are you showering every morning? Like what, what is your what is
0: your routine? Good lifestyle choices. Yeah. And
3: so he said, I encourage you to to eat more vegetables. I encourage you to take a cold shower for 10 minutes every morning. And I encourage you to exercise for 30 minutes. And I was like, cold shower, are you freaking kidding me? Cold shower anyway, is great.
2: Let's,
0: is go. Let's go.
3: I, he didn't really dive into the science with me. And I, I haven't gotten back to the research. But it just kind of helps you reset. It's just refreshing and helps you just.
0: It's an adrenaline rush. Dude. Yeah.
3: It just helps you flush stuff out. And so I was like, okay. And he also said, like, you need to be drinking twice as much water as you're drinking. And I was like, okay. I
1: Interesting. Think.
3: I was like, okay, I can do those things. And. I'll be honest with you, I'm not 100% relieved of that, that stress or that worry or anything like that. But those have been tools that when I do get worse, those are things that I turn to. And, and of course, him being a mission therapist, he's like, how are your personal studies going? And I was like, I mean, they're good. He's like, what are you studying? And I was like, oh, you know, just like the Book of Mormon. He's like, okay, study specific things on how can the Lord help me through this? And he gave, I can't remember the prompts at the moment, but he gave me like three distinct prompts and says, I want you to study these and bring your answers to our next, our next session. I was like, okay.
0: This guy had it together. He
3: did. John Morgan, everybody. He had it together. He's hes awesome. I love him to pieces. And I met with him for nine months, like all the way up until I went home for my mission. Wow. Like, and that was pretty impactful for you. Oh, absolutely.
0: It's the power of therapy. That's what I'm talking honestly, about. Honestly,
3: honestly, absolutely.
1: I, was, I need to go. I was going to say, you about how before you weren't exposed to the mental health and having mental health issues, mm, yeah, and so you of course just brush this away. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. Yeah, but in reality, you were dealing with some difficult things. How was that? How how did you deal with that? And how was how was that kind of switch from like I'm not I'm not sick to honestly, this is affecting me. Right, that makes sense.
3: Oh, absolutely. Again, it comes back to me being very prideful. Yeah. I thought that I could do this on my own and just brush under the rug. And I'm like, I don't want to. It almost comes from the pride perspective of I don't want to bother anyone with this, which is not at all going to solve anything. Which is a perfectionistic Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I have decided on my own that I am a perfectionist. I am very particular, have a lot of like OCD tendencies where I can't rest until things are in a right place or doing the right thing. It it opened my eyes to that reality and understanding that there are like there there are there are aids there are resources that that the church gives, that universities provide, that friends and family can give. And most importantly, in my opinion, the gospel, like turning to the Lord, that is how those things can I'm not saying get solved, but they can get get help just going from. Like, oh, what was I going to say? Oh. Going from, oh, I don't have these things to, yeah, I have these things was definitely like a humility mm. hit to the face. Like understanding that in all reality, I had those perfectionist tendencies as a child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I thought, oh, I'm fine. they Like I can brush those aside. And now realizing that there are some traumatic experiences that I've had and that I've worked through and that I'm continuing to work through. But I also have these other tendencies that weigh on my mind that affect me, that, that cause me to lose sleep, that, that, you know, take my focus away and understanding that that is the Lord humbling me. He needs me to quit saying, oh, I'm fine. I can brush this aside to, oh, no, you're in a fallen state. Like you are human. You are not. You are not Jesus. Get over it. Get over the fact of ever becoming perfect in this life. And realize that I'm here to refine and sanctify you. And that's, this is a step. That great.
0: is so powerful.
3: That's dope because I think a lot of
1: young adults our age deal with the perfectionistic mindset. Absolutely. And obviously, social media doesn't help us with that. But understanding that this is our time to and better and become the Lord's and become not become the Lord's, we're already the Lord's, but become. For the Lord and and for his purpose and for his will. And that's a completely different paradigm than what Satan has, which is I got this. I don't need anybody by my side. I can do it all by myself and I'm going to be powerful and be fine with everything. Yeah. And and pride in the scriptures, it's, it talks about all the time because pride is the main thing that gets us absolutely from coming closer to
0: it. Well, I think what popped into my head was Ether 1227, right, when you're talking about pride and humility and the fact that a theme that we've always seen doing these interviews and these conversations is people trying to do it by themselves themselves. and it not working out and healing not coming until you're able to rely and depend on other people and Jesus in your healing.
3: Well, and I think that's where Satan gets us the most is that when we're isolated, whether you know, actually physically by ourselves or even mentally, if we're by ourselves and thinking we can do this, we don't need to burden anyone with us with that. That's when he he gets mm-hmm. us alone and we start having negative talk. We start having these, these doubts. Happens to me all the time. And I hate to admit it, but it does. Of just, I'm by myself and I'm alone and I'm alone in my thoughts. And I instantly think, I am not a mountain to what the Lord needs me to be. I am not doing well yeah. enough. Yeah. And that is when Satan's like, I'm going to beat you into the ground.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But when we surround ourselves when we share what's going on when we open up when we do all these things that's when you know even to the extent of like suicide thoughts suicidal thoughts those go down Mm -hmm. like and i'm not i'm not at all a therapist i'm not claiming to be but when you share things that is when you allow the lord to help you that's when you can turn to the lord's instruments to his other children and seek his help and so no i love what's been said yeah when we bring things into the light
0: so I'm talking. Goodness,
2: I love
0: it. So I wanted to ask you, Brielle, you, you you, expressed that there's a lot of blessings that came from this experience. And I know you've been talking, it, talking about it in a way this whole time. But what are some of the specific things that you noticed that were blessings that came from this experience?
3: Oh, good question. Honestly, I should have written them down, but okay. I didn't. I think, I don't know. I think through this experience, the Lord opened my mind to the reality of what people struggle with mentally Mm. because I always took people at like face value like what they chose to share I was like oh that's them like for example meeting Bray first day I'm like oh she's outgoing she she loves her life she lives these great values she she loves the Lord all these things but then talking with her I'm like man I would never know the things that she has dealt with and that she has struggled with and so it opened opened the door for me to say people know me as this like upbeat super happy person but I've had my fair share of that, of of hardships and, and trials and things like that, and so I think it definitely humbled me in the way of you you can't you can't make calls on on what the, what people are experiencing until you have stepped a day in their shoes. Like yeah. everyone's giving you their best show, you don't know what's going on backstage, and you have to quit thinking that you do simply because they're putting it on stage. Mm-hmm.
0: There's that President Irene quote that says, you know, go into every interaction with someone expecting like that they're going through something really hard and more than half the time you're going to be right
2: yeah absolutely
1: I love that quote that's entirely true I think it's cool that you talked about stepping a little bit into your shoes because the only person who does know that about us is our savior Mm -hmm. and I think that's really dope when you think about situations that are you kind of can't put into words like 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 your story of of being held at gunpoint and for no reason. And honestly, like, like these men had it out for you for absolutely no reason other than you were American and probably had money. And, and being a, an imrana. Yes, and being a sister and a girl. And I think it's cool to know that even in that situation, the savior understands.
3: Absolutely. Because I think we all have very similar experiences with, you know, anxiety. Like, we've all have had that experience in one way yeah. or another, but no one knows the intricacies of each specific case other than the savior because he has lived through every single moment and it wasn't simultaneously i i strongly believe that when christ fulfilled the atonement he took a moment in every situation Mm -hmm. and just like it wasn't like oh i'm feeling everyone with anxiety right now it was i'm feeling bray's anxiety Mm -hmm. i'm feeling brielle's anxiety i'm feeling aaron's anxiety and he took a moment in each of those Mm -hmm. and just realizing that bigger than us he sees that and he knows Every detail of what we are feeling, thinking, doing. He knows it all. That's powerful.
0: Coming, coming to that knowledge is so powerful. I just came back from a, from a trip where we're talking about how, how are we more able to let people know that we see them for who they are and know them. And I think that's one of the most comforting things in life when you're going through something hard is that Jesus knows me. Yeah, He knows exactly what I'm going through, like exactly 100% because he's been through it too. Yeah, that's awesome.
3: There's there's no there's no room for miscommunication. There's no
0: discrepancy. Knows. There's no gap there. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's really comforting to know. Yeah.
1: yeah last question. Yeah. Let's okay. say- so last question we ask every single one of our guests this, but from your experience being in a very unsafe situation, what would be one thing that you would like to bring into the light? to our listeners to yourself to anybody who's listening to this
3: that's a really good question
1: (laughs) this could be
0: about anything that you've experienced yeah yeah Yeah.
1: this could be your emotions that you felt afterwards or the therapy that you went through or i don't
3: know i i honestly and, and i think this has been a theme ever since my mission of just No one will judge you for sharing what you share. Mm. At least no one should. If you feel so inclined to share an experience, please share it. If it's something that's personal and you need to talk about, get with a therapist, get with a trusted friend. Be open because that's when we can, like, it helps others to fulfill what Christ has asked them to do, to mourn with those that mourn, to suffer with those that suffer, to, to comfort those who stand in need of comfort. When we take the time to listen, that is when people are going to be able to open up and share these concerns, share what they're experiencing. We can learn from one another. Yeah. And that's how we become these refined, sanctified disciples of Jesus Christ, when we simply listen. That's awesome. Hey, yes. that's-
0: <laughs> like you. tell you a ovation to that. Uh, uh, not, no. not,
3: that's okay. Here, so that's-
0: We've heard that answer in different ways, probably 40 times now, yeah. like, like, legit. like, And and being open
1: about it, yet we're all still very, we're all still,
0: we're all still trying. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Cause here's the thing we're like, our, our mortal journey is yes, to return to be with our Heavenly Father, but to become like Christ, right? And Christ would, it, He does. When we pray, He takes the time to listen to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a skill we can all be better at, especially like I, I need to work on this, but just taking the time to listen, even if it takes half of our day, we don't know what difference that could make and just, Seeing it more of this is how I can become refined and sanctified and become more like the savior rather than, oh, this is a chore to listen to this person.
1: I love that. I was thinking today, I feel like having this podcast has really helped me with that. Uh, like, Like listening to other people's stories and empathizing and mourning and understanding like, wow, people are awesome. And you're awesome. For real. Absolutely. No, you you guys
3: are incredible. Thank you
1: for for coming on, I guess. For real. Thank
0: you so much. Thanks for
3: what you're doing. I mean, being, I've been listening for the last couple weeks ever since Bray mentioned it and I was like, yep. Uh, (laughs) Just hearing the stories that you guys share that either you personally have shared or that you've gotten guests to come share, I know without a doubt that someone has needed those messages. And just the fact that you've put this together is how you are gathering scattered Israel. Like this is how people are going to realize that there are people who want to listen to their experiences, who want to help.
2: That's dope. Good
0: that's, job, that's, good job, guys. Seriously, so, <laughs> so deep. thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed Brielle's story. And Brielle, do you want Instagram followers?
3: <laughs> yeah, throw them out. <laughs>
0: What's your handle?
3: Brielle Palmer twenty four.
0: Go shoot Brielle Palmer. a follow yes. on Instagram,
1: and we'll tag her in the show notes and in the Instagram reels. By the way. We have a social media manager and she is awesome. She's my best friend. But she's
0: incredible. She
1: is trying to vamp up our stuff. So if you have any criticism or tips, please let us know.
0: We love you guys so much. Thank, Thank you for listening. So much.
1: Have a Thank great one.
0: See you next week.
1: Bye.